The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2789. All right, I think we need to talk about Grogu. (laughs) And I've been nibbling at bits of this over the past, gosh, year or so at least. And I think it's time we put it all in one place. Punch it! Hey Rebel Riser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So yes, this does continue our series of debriefs on the Book of Boba Fett Season 1 and yes, I know it's about Grogu, but the Book of Boba Fett made it about Grogu at least, you know, one episode significantly and a good chunk of another episode were about Grogu and his involvement in this whole era of Star Wars storytelling. Now, let me first frame this by saying that I love Grogu. (laughs) Like, let there not be any confusion or lack of understanding around that point. I think the character is awesome. I like the creation of the character. I'm glad the character exists. And I like the way that they are still retaining a sense of mystery around the character. We're not yet getting details, and hopefully they keep it this way, about the character's origins. Uh, Yeah, we got a little bit about the Clone Wars thing in the Book of Boba Fett, and that's okay. That was kind of already hinted at anyway, but we're not finding out about his species, where he came from, like all those things that George Lucas wanted to stay mysterious about Yoda and Yaddle (laughs) by extension. That stuff is remaining mysterious as well, and I am all for that. And I'll also mention as a disclaimer, since it came up yesterday, that it seems like a lot of stuff with the Mandalorian and Grogu is inspired by this Lone Wolf and Cub manga slash films that were made around that. And I think I have some research and digging to do to learn more about those, to understand more of what they're going for with this series. That being said, let's start off by saying what is possibly an unpopular opinion, if you will, which is that The Mandalorian is only a good series without Grogu and that it was a great series because of Grogu. So it would have been fine if it had been any other species of baby inside that pram at the end of season one. The only reason that The Mandalorian went crazy is because it was Yoda's species. And in a way, that's a good thing, right? It's a great hook for us to talk about. It also creates a sort of god machine, deus ex machina kind of situation. Like when the Mudhorn is charging the Mandalorian and oh my gosh, isn't it lucky that we've got Grogu right there. Or when the flame trooper comes in at the end of season one and Grogu is able to stop the wall of flame and in fact push it back against that trooper, right? But really the child as he's known 
Stone in season one of The Mandalorian exists only as a means to an end. He is basically an inciting incident for The Mandalorian that challenges his beliefs, his way, and pushes him outside the bounds of his comfort zone to get at a pure, more, you know, universal way of looking at the world and the galaxy. And Grogu is also a means to the Mandalorian's story arc ends for season two as well. So the armorer has sent the Mandalorian on a mission to reunite Grogu with his own kind. And the Mandalorian has to do that while also not getting killed and not losing Grogu to the greater forces of threat and attention that are being presented in the form of Moff Gideon. This is an end that he achieves at the end of Season 2 by handing Grogu off to Luke Skywalker and by defeating Moff Gideon. Along the way, he has caused problems for himself with this whole Darksaber thing and the heritage of Mandalore and all that stuff. So. Stuff has been set up for season three. This is from the moment of seeing season two end and not considering yet the Book of Boba Fett. What I'm getting at is that by the end of season two of The Mandalorian, the cult of personality that forms around Grogu has been satisfactorily dealt with. If Grogu never appeared in The Mandalorian or the Book of Boba Fett again, yes, people would be like, oh, I miss Grogu, but the episodes of The Mandalorian would have gone on just fine. Grogu gave The Mandalorian the rocket boost start that it needed, and it would have continued on just fine without it. But this is not the path that the creators of this part of the timeline, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, have decided to pursue. Instead, they kind of gave us a hint at the fact that they were going to bring Grogu back into the mix by giving him agency at the end of season two of The Mandalorian. The idea that you know, Luke would say like he has to you know, make the choice to go along with Luke. Yeah, that right there, you know, you're giving agency to what is, for all intents and purposes, a five-year-old in human terms. And they presented that agency situation again in chapter six of the Book of Boba Fett, when Luke gave the Beskar shirt and Yoda's lightsaber and gave Grogu the choice of, yeah, which one do you want? Like, if you pick the chainmail, you go back to the Mandalorian, and you pick the lightsaber, you'll train with me. And so, as we know from the Book of Boba Fett, Grogu chose to go back to the Mandalorian and to turn his back on Jedi training. Does that mean that he's not going to go back to Jedi training some point in the future? No. In fact, <laughs> that seems to happen kind of commonly in Star Wars storytelling where somebody turns their back on Jedi training and then ultimately ends up getting back to it. But even though Luke left Yoda to go rescue Leia and Han and Chewie and 3PO and the Empire Strikes Back, he was still old enough to consider the consequences of his actions and understand that if he survived, he still needed to work and train in the Force. And that's not something that Grogu can do at his stage of development. So it seems like Grogu may be dooming himself to the fate that Ahsoka Tano talked about in chapter 13, where his powers and abilities would just eventually fade because they're not going to be actively trained. And then there's the question of the Mandalorian, and here's another question that, you know, may be sort of an unpopular one, but did the Mandalorian actually want Grogu back? That's, yeah, uh, that's kind of a tough one because 
he certainly seemed motivated to return Grogu to his own kind, but he also feels a connection with Grogu clearly and is concerned about the child's welfare. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he also wants to become the full-time caregiver for the child. Like, he took care of Grogu when it was his responsibility to do so, and when he thought that Grogu was being treated, you know, very poorly, very unjustly, which is why he rescued him and violated the Bounty Hunters Guild code, right? But he also made an active attempt to seek out the Jedi in order to deliver Grogu to his own kind. So, yeah, it does kind of raise the question of whether the Mandalorian, you know, for all his you know, empathy and compassion for Grogu, actually wants to have him along for his adventures going forward. And not that anything about this is similar to Batman and Robin, but there's a line from a Batman story where Batman says at some point that the Joker used to refer to Robin as Robin the Boy Hostage instead of Robin the Boy Wonder, which was his nickname, generally speaking. And I feel like Grogu is now, you know, the Mandalorian's boy hostage, as it were, because it reveals another weak point for the Mandalorian and I'm sure that Grogu is going to continue to be a target that he has to defend and is going to make the Mandalorian's life that much more complicated going forward. But as the client said, <laughs> bounty hunting is a complicated profession and so is guardianship for that matter. So uh, yeah, season three of the Mandalorian is going to be plenty complicated for sure. And that's going to do it for this episode of the show. But if you <laughs> disagree with any of the things I'm saying, especially the unpopular opinion parts, I would love to hear your rebuttals, your thoughts about it. So please chime in. If you're catching this on YouTube, then there's a comment section right there. And if you're hearing the audio version of this, please head on over to SW7x7.com and look for the blog post for this show's episode and drop a comment there. So it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the show. As always, and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited. Other respective trademark and copyright holders, may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.